0: You're listening to the First Baptist Church of Hazel Park audio podcast. We hope that this podcast is a helpful resource in your daily walk with Christ. Now, here's today's sermon. All right, well, if you would turn to Genesis chapter number 26. Genesis chapter 26. I forgot two prayer requests I wanted to give to you. Um... My wife just texted that me while we were up here that there was. She saw on Facebook today that there, that Gabe Kleckleck is in the hospital. And he's going to have his gallbladder removed. So we're going to pray for Gabe uh, tonight, and we'll pray for him here in just a moment. And then also, I'll give you an update on, um, on Richard and uh, the boys. Uh, Brother Brian and Brother Andrew and I went over and just sat out in the backyard and talked with Richard today. It was great. I had a great time just sitting and talking with him and. He was reminiscing about things and uh, just talking about his wife and how what a godly woman she was, how he would come home from work and she was sitting in her living room reading the Bible and uh, just really had a great time um, talking with him. The, we don't know funeral arrangements yet. We probably won't until Tuesday because of the, the holiday tomorrow, but we'll let you know. But it's probably going to be Thursday or Friday. By the way, I mentioned this morning him watching. He was watching this morning. Even the, the morning after, the day, the day his wife passed away, he was watching the service this morning. And I, I thought that was great. Um, but we're probably looking at Thursday or Friday or Saturday for the funeral. We'll let you know when that is, but, but plan on um, a meal. So if you normally help, or even if you don't normally help, you might get asked to help. But uh, plan on a meal that day. We'll try to get more details. As soon as I get them, we'll pass those on to you. Okay? Okay. Um, Let's continue to pray. Let's back let's take a moment. Let's pray for uh, Gabe, especially right now. Father, thank you that any time, any place, anywhere, we can come to you about anything. And Lord, thank you uh, for the opportunity to come to you about Gabe. I pray that we don't know any details, but I just pray that as he uh, looks like he's going to be going into surgery tomorrow uh, for this gallbladder, I pray that you give him peace during this time. I know uh, that it seems minor or it seems less major because of his young age or because of uh, the nature of the the issue, but Lord, I pray that uh, you'd give him peace and comfort during this time. We know that you are in control. So we pray for the doctors and we pray for uh, his family, that, that they would be a, an encouragement to him, that, that he'd get through this quickly and be able to get back to normal here, here quickly. Uh, but we ask uh, also for the boys as they prepare for this funeral service and we just pray that you would uh, encourage and keep their family encouraged and keep be with Richard uh, during this time especially. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, Genesis chapter 26. Uh, we are picking up where we left off. Again, cover to cover a full chapter tonight. is the plan. In chapter 5, though, if you remember, we we read about the death of Abraham and the birth of his two grandsons, Jacob, two of his grandsons, Jacob and Esau. And uh, now we know, and I, I talked about this, that a lot of times we, we read who was born, but that's all we read about them, and we don't read much more about that person. Um, and we know Isaac. uh, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob are the patriarchs that we're covering but Esau although he's not in the lineage of Christ he still plays a little bit more substantial role than some of the other of Abraham's grandsons through Ishmael or Keturah so we will read about him over these next couple weeks but here in chapter 26 the story of Isaac continues Isaac was a patriarch of God's chosen people but even in spite of that he was still a man that had weak but growing faith. Or at least we, we see it grow here. And it grew through the circumstances. We were... Uh, and recently I had somebody tell me about the trials that they're going through and, and just the, what it's done to their faith, how it's, it's caused them to grow. And we can either grow through problems or we can, or we can get bitter through problems. Um, and sometimes the faith of God's people just amazes me. To hear them talk about what God is doing in their lives... Now, this is what God is doing in, in our lives. It, when, when there's problems, God's using that. It's there for a purpose. It's there to grow our faith, to make us more like Christ. Now, the Christian life, in case you didn't know, the Christian life is not a smooth sail. It was never promised to be a smooth sail. It was never, it was never something that we when the, the wealth and prosperity crowds. If you just have enough faith, everything's going to be good. You're going to have lots of money. And you're going to have success in life. That's simply not biblical. And uh, life, though, is a series of mountains and valleys. It's blessings and trials. It's rejoicing and heartbreaks. All of these things are part of life. The problems come from a variety of sources, but all of it goes back to the fact that we live in a broken, fallen world. That because of sin, that is the cause of our distress, but the Lord uses that. I don't believe that God has ordained or commanded all the evil to happen in the world like some people do. But I do believe he can take that and he can redeem it for his purposes. He can use it for his purposes. I think he does that often. So the Lord uses problems to grow our faith if we are willing to let him do that work. So now we come to chapter 26. And let's begin reading here with verse number 1. And we're going to see that the legacy of Abraham. What this is This is how he is seen. Uh, by the, the, the impact he had on the future generations. Verse number 1, And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went into Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down to Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee and will bless thee, for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father." And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now that sounds very familiar, doesn't it? It's almost almost like, God, stop repeating yourself. Listen, every time God repeats himself, it's for a purpose. It's because we need to hear it. Somebody needs to hear it again. But verse 5. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge... My commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So here, Abraham—he left a legacy. Abraham—we know more. We, we think of well, he's the father of, of the Jewish people, and really, the, uh, he is—he's the source from which the uh, from from which the Arabs come from, right? I mean, he has—he's the father, father Abraham. But he's also in Romans, we see that he's. We Paul called him. He's the father of really our faith. Um. So back to chapter 20, we We're not to turn there, but back in chapter 20, Abraham had gone to Abimelech, the king of Gerar, and you think, wow, this guy's old, that's about a hundred years ago. So about a hundred years, he moves, we go, okay, he was with the king of Gerar, and now again, he's with Abimelech, the king of Gerar. The, the thing is, the, uh, there's probably two different men being a hundred years apart, and Abimelech was likely, like the term Pharaoh, it was a name, but it was really a title, okay, so it's a title that was given to the king of uh, the king of Gerar, the king of the Philistines. Now, in verses two through five, God commanded Isaac. He said, "Don't go back to Egypt. Don't go or don't go to Egypt." Egypt in the Bible is often used as a type of the world. It also seems, though, that that's a tempting place to go for people when there's when there's a famine. Right? We're going to see that later with the twelve with the twelve sons of Jacob. That they would go because of a famine. That's because God had prepared all that. But here, you remember when uh, Abraham sent his servant out to go find a wife for his son. And the servant says, well, if, if I can't find one, if, if she won't come with me, do you want me to come back and get Isaac and take him there? And he says, don't take my son out of this land. He was supposed to stay in the promised land. And so he was. He was obedient here in our in our passage. He stayed there in the land that would be given him. Now, right now it belongs to the Philistines, but God had promised it to his people. God promised to care for him. He said, I will I will care for you. I will bless you. I'm going to also, he said, I'm going to carry out the promises that I had faithfully carried out in your father, Abraham, and I had promised to carry out through generations. I'm going to carry that out through you. And all that God had promised Abraham through his seed would be carried out through Isaac's seed. So God made this promise to Abraham. Isaac comes along and God says, hey, I'm still carrying it out. Nothing's changed. Remember, this was a covenant that God had made with Abraham. In verse 5, it says, because that Abraham obeyed and kept. The Abrahamic covenant was an unconditional covenant. Now, when, you get, when, when somebody gets married, uh, they make a, you made a covenant with each other, but you made a covenant between you and God. Now, that covenant was a conditional covenant. The covenant is, I promise to do this. I promise to do this. And they promise it. Now, that doesn't mean that you can just go, yep, I don't want to do this anymore. But a contract, or even some of the covenants in the Word of God, God says, I will do this if you do this. Um, 2 Chronicles 7.14 is one that is used, and sometimes overused, misapplied to to the United States of America. Um, but if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will heal their land. I think I got that close. Uh, that's a, that is a conditional covenant. If you will, then I will. But this covenant God made with Abraham was unconditional. That means God had promised to do something, He had committed to do something, and there was no requirement. For that covenant to be fulfilled on the part of Abraham. But, in fact, as we go through the life of Abraham, as we did, we saw Abraham's faith. His faith fail several times throughout his life. Yet the Lord sustained him. See, this is what God did. He's in a covenant. And God pulled him out of the out of the mess several times. God says, I'm gonna fulfill this. But here it says, Because, in fact, let me read verse five again, because that Abraham obeyed my voice. And kept my charge and my commandments my statutes my laws. He says because of that. Now you see there's a period there. It's the end of the thought, the end of the sentence. What he's saying is that what he was saying before is because Abraham did those things. So wait. Did Abraham earn this covenant? Did Abraham keep up his part so God's going to keep his covenant? God would fulfill his promise to bless all the earth through the seed of Abraham. That was unconditional. It was not earned, it was not merited, it was not, nothing Abraham did brought that in himself. Like, you know what, the reason God's still going to fulfill his plan is because I did my part. That's not at all what God is saying. What this shows us is a couple things. First of all, that God brings together the free will of man and his own sovereignty to carry out his will. You see, when we make choices and we have our own free will choices that we make, we are not surprising God with those things. We're, we're, he's not He's not going, oh man, I didn't see that one coming. i got to figure out how to rework this. From, from before the foundation of the world, the Lord knew the plan. And the Lord knew what was going to happen. And so He takes our free will choices. He takes His sovereignty, or in His sovereignty, I almost tried to equate them, and I don't mean to equate them. In God's sovereignty, the free will choices of man accomplish His will. And I think that's absolutely amazing. So God would fulfill His covenant. But if you go back to verse... Verse 4 uh, I'm sorry, verse 3 Sojourn in this land and I, will, and I will be with thee And will bless thee You see, if, Abraham, if Isaac had disobeyed God And had gone to Egypt as God had told him not to If he had done that, God would have still fulfilled his covenant With Abraham This had no bearing on God's covenant But what this had a bearing on is God's blessing in his life you see, God. If you're saved, God is going to fulfill His promise to you that, that you that He will never leave you nor forsake you. God will fulfill His promise to you that when to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, all those things will be fulfilled. But if you want God's blessings on your life, you need to obey Him and you need to submit to Him. Remember also, we might go, man, but God, you know, Abraham was a, was really a good guy. I mean, man, he must have been this godly, godly man. Well, we saw all the mistakes he made. And yeah, he did some great things, but we saw them the 6. But remember that according to Genesis 15, verse 6, God counted Abraham righteous because he believed him. And that's not the belief of an intellectual knowledge of something, but it is the belief of commitment of trust into that thing. And so Abraham believed God. Abraham committed his trust to God, and God counted that to him for righteousness. Look at verse 6. And Isaac dwelt in Gerar, and the men of the place asked him of his wife, and he said, "She is my sister." (sighs) Come on, really? Like father, like son, right? I mean, how many? Abraham did that two times, and now his son goes, and I don't know. I know God protected him twice, but I'm not sure he's going to do it this time. So I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell these people that this is my sister. She is my sister. Let's continue reading. For he feared to say she is my wife, lest, said he, the men of the place, should kill me for Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon. And it came to pass, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of the window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. And Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, of a surety, she is thy wife. And how saidest thou, she is my sister? And Isaac said unto him, Because I said, lest I die for her. Well, he's a good husband, ladies, isn't it? Well, I'm gonna lie because I don't want to, I don't want anybody to harm me because of you. Verse ten and Abimelech said, What is this that thou hast done unto us? One of the people might lightly or innocently have lain with thy wife, and thou shouldest have brought thou shouldest have brought guiltiness upon us. And Abimelech charged all his people, saying that he touch he that toucheth this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And uh, the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. As the Lord told Samuel, remember the Lord told Samuel, he says, that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. The Lord told Samuel that, but Isaac also knew that those Philistine men—what those Philistine men would do. He said, "I know what they're going to do." And because my wife is beautiful, because because they're evil men, God, they don't know you, so I can't trust that they're going to do the right thing. But because of that, he said, "I know what's going to happen." And Isaac was doing exactly what those people were doing, and he was looking on the outward appearance instead of what God was doing internally. He did not; he could not look on the heart. But part of looking on the outward appearance in this case, is not trusting God. He didn't trust God. He just looked at what he saw in the outward. He said, this is never going to work out. I have to do this part. For the exact same reason as his father, Isaac claimed that his wife was his actual sister. Well, at least with Abraham, there was some truth to it, right? Now, you, some would say, well, that word sister could mean a cousin or could mean you know, a relative, a, a female relative. But we could tell here what he was doing. And that was he was being... Deceitful. Both men, Abraham and Isaac, were deceitful when they made these claims. And both of them did it for a reason. And that is because they lacked faith. They didn't have faith that God would do what he says he would do. And I wonder if Isaac, maybe he looked back at his dad's life and maybe he said, you know, I... You know what? Uh, I wasn't there. Of course, Isaac wasn't there, but I'm sure his dad told him about those things. Or maybe his dad didn't tell him about his mistakes. How many of you don't raise your hand? How many of you they haven't told your kids about what you did when you were younger? Um, but maybe he didn't. But maybe he looked back and said, you know what? God brought my dad through those things. I don't need to do this. I don't need to lie about it. And he thought, you know what? God's going to fulfill his promise. And I'm going to survive, but now I've had my kids... My kids are alive, and maybe God's going to take me because He's going to fulfill it through Jacob or Esau. Maybe He knew God was going to bring him through it, but He didn't like the way He thought God was going to do it. You see, sometimes our faith is, I know that God is going to take care of it. I know that God's going to handle it, but I don't know if He's going to handle it the way I want Him to. So I'm going to help out a little bit, and that is something that I think we are we can we can get in that. Position we think I have to help God out. Listen, I understand the curse of having a beautiful wife. Okay, I understand. But my wife's rolling her eyes. Um, I understand. I understand what that's like. But listen, we cannot convince ourselves that we have to do something that God needs us to do something deceptive in order to accomplish His will. I don't. We can't convince ourselves of that. In fact, we must convince ourselves of the opposite. That it doesn't matter what I think. I need to be obedient to God. I need to keep his laws, as he says in verse 5. I need to keep his charge. I need to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his laws. Because that is how he is going to bless. Notice in verse 8, it says that he had been there a long time. So they've been in they've been in Gerard now for a long time. And I don't know how long a long time it is. Uh, but he lived with this lie all this time. But he gets caught. The word sporting, uh, te- technically, it means that they were having fun. You know, hey, they're out, they're out playing a game or they're out laughing and having a good time. Uh, it could, that's what it, it technically means. Uh, but it means that, what it probably means here is that they were demonstrating some type of endearing relationship. Maybe it was a touch. Maybe there was a touch where you would say, well, that wasn't his sister. You know, uh, I think some some have said that the word caressing or that type of touch is what it, it's talking about. And so he looks out the window in verses nine through eleven. He looks out the window and he says, uh, "That's something's not right about that. That is not his sister." And so he knew that Isaac had lied, and he knew that Rebecca was his wife. And then he says, "Why would you do this?" That, again, this goes back to the king. Uh, when, when uh, Abraham did this, he goes, why, why would you do this? Why would you do this to us? And there, it makes no sense. What kind of logic would lead you to do this? No, well, he had an answer, didn't he? And he had an answer that most of us would say, well, I get it, you know? I thought they might kill me because of, because of her. But Abimelech's rebuke in verse 10 demonstrates that he understood the ramifications of Isaac's lie. He understood That this lie was not was this lie was not um, without impact. This lie was not something that was no big deal. Think about the lie. The lie would only bring benefit to one person. It is only good, well, he would think it's only good for himself. And and you think about what he says here, and and it's interesting how Rebecca's left out of this. But Abimelech says, hey, what if one of our guys had initially taken her, taken her as their wife? You would have caused us to be guilty. Well, what about Rebekah? And what, what would have happened to her? Uh, Abimelech was right. That they would have been responsible for his guiltiness if this had happened. So Abimelech makes a decree. No one can touch Isaac. Nobody can touch Rebekah. And listen, that is not a blessing on Isaac for his deceit. But instead, it is grace in spite of what he did. God was doing something because God was protecting the lineage of the Messiah and the purity of that lineage. Just like, uh, you know, Jesus was born of a virgin. It was absolutely necessary. But it was necessary to protect the purity of the lineage of Christ. The issue was she, he had to be born of a woman that had not known man. Um, the issue, uh, so the issue here is nobody. If 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 something had happened and she had been taken away from someone else, God's promise would have been in question in many people's minds. And so He protects this. God did this in spite of their choices. He did it in His grace to them. They didn't. He did not. Isaac did not deserve. This. and that's why it's grace. As soon as we think we deserve grace it ceases to be grace. In verses 12 through 14 his grace continues. got Isaac's reaping a hundred times more than he planted. his flocks and herds were flourishing beyond what anybody else was seeing. and Isaac was living in the world but he's not living of the world. God had blessed him and God is continuing to just pour his blessings on him in spite of his choices. In other words, he was not living by worldly standards and by earthly power, but he was being blessed by God. This wasn't because Isaac really, man, he had the secret for planting a garden. You know, Kathy was telling us other night about her tomatoes. They just, they just aren't, as what, she's not going to be able to can this year. I hope I'm not sharing secrets, Kathy. Um, but she said she wasn't going to be able to can this year. just weren't as many this year. You know, maybe she didn't have a magic touch this year, whatever it was. She said, they came in nice, they looked good, there's just not as many of them. And, and so you go, well, I guess maybe it, was, maybe it was she didn't do something right. I doubt it, but Kathy, she does everything right. That's what John says. But he didn't have the magic. It's that God was blessing him. God was making everything he did. You hear people say, man, that just seems like wherever they touch just turns to gold. That seems like what's happened here and it's all because of God. Now, in verse 15. For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with the earth. And so we have here that uh, Isaac, God had blessed Abraham. God God didn't, by the way, God didn't just go, okay, here's a well, Abraham. Abraham had to dig them. Or his men had to dig them. But he had to dig these wells. And so God's blessing on, on Isaac began to cause envy in the hearts of the Philistines. They persecuted the one God who's blessing. These wells were part of his inheritance. Wells were valuable. Wells were necessary. Uh, in the dry times especially, they had to go to wells to get water for their, for their flocks and for their herds. They were, they, they were difficult to dig, but they were necessary. Now, they became envious. And envious people do stupid things. I'm sorry, I should do things that they shouldn't do, right? They don't do smart things. Uh, envious people make bad choices. And so what do they do? They just start burying them in. Now, those were, those were Isaac's inheritance. So I'm glad I didn't get a well from my inheritance. But these were valuable. And so they get this inheritance. He gets this inheritance. And they come in. They start filling in uh, his inheritance, But then Isaac, look at verse 16. And Abimelech said, Isaac, go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. In other words, he says, you know, this is, you've got more than we have, and you just need to get away, you need to step away from us. Verse 17, and Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, and dwelt there. So he was in the city, now he's out in the valley. Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names which his father had called them. And Isaac, Isaac's servants dig in the valley and found there a well springing of water. Springing of water, And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Essek, which they strove with him. I think the word Essek, if I remember right, looked it up and I forgot to write it down, but I think it means to strive. Verse, uh, verse 22, verse 21. And they digged another well and strove for that also. And he called the name of, the, of it Sitna. That, I think that would mean contention. Uh, verse 22, and he removed from thence and digged another well. And for that, that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth, which, and, and he said, for now the Lord hath made room for us, that we shall be fruitful in the land. So that one means to be roomful. We'll get to that here in a moment. And he went up from thence to Beersheba but the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for thy, for my servants, the servant Abraham's sake. They built there an altar and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants did dwell. We'll continue with this in just a moment. But it's not clear, uh, all the way back to verse 16, it wasn't clear what's going on in the heart of Abimelech. Was he protecting Abraham? Was he saying, hey, you need to get out of here? Was he looking out for his safety? Was there a secret envy in his heart also? Like, you need to get out of here. I'm not happy. God, you, you know, you, you're, you're, you're greater than we are. And so the wealth, his wealth, and power are beginning to to multiply and increase. Then finally they dug wells, and the third well they dug faced no opposition from the locals. And so he named it Rehoboth, which means wide spaces or open spaces, because it was far enough from those locals for them to not want to harass him. And then in verse twenty-three, he goes up to Beer the Bible says there he built an altar. There he worshipped the Lord. I think about this. He didn't complain about the two times he had dug wells only to lose them to the locals, did he? He just moved on and dug new wells. But listen, he worshipped God for the well that he could keep. He didn't complain about the wells he didn't get to keep, but he worshipped God for the well that he got to keep. He worshiped God not in spite of the wells that he lost, but because of the well he got to keep. And I complain often about what I don't get to keep instead of of thanking God and worshiping God for what he has allowed me to keep. Because everything I have is his grace. I don't deserve any of it. Well, I've worked hard for my money. You only have the ability to work hard because God has been gracious to you. I deserve nothing. Yet I failed to thank God for, by the way, far more than I need that he allows me to keep. Verse 26, and Abimelech went from him to from Gerar to Ehuset, one of his friends, and Pichol, I don't know if I said that right, chief captain of his army, and Isaac said unto them, Wherefore come ye to me? See ye hate me, and have sent me away from you. And they said, We saw certainly that the Lord was with thee. And we said Let there now be an oath betwixt us, even betwixt us and thee, and let us make a covenant with thee, that thou will do us no hurt, as we have not touched thee, and as we have done unto thee nothing but good, and have sent thee away in peace, and thou art now the blessed of the Lord. Wait a second. You've done nothing? Your people filled in my wells. It's, oh, we just just want to have a good relationship here because you know, you've got, God's with you and we've done nothing bad to you. Verse 30, and he made them a feast and they did eat and drink. How gracious is that of Isaac? I think, and this is my speculation here, I think Isaac, maybe it clicked in his mind. God's been good to me. And God's offered me, and God's done for me things that I don't deserve. And even when I rejected his truth, even when I turned my back on what he wanted me to do, God has still been good to me. And he One of the signs of somebody who has been given grace is that they give grace. One of the signs of somebody who has been given mercy is that they are merciful to others. And they rose up, verse 31, they rose up betimes in the morning and swear one to another. And Isaac sent them away and departed from him in peace. And it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him concerning the well which they had digged. And they said unto him, We have found water. And he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba unto this day. I wonder if Abimelech had gone home and thought, well, I probably shouldn't have told him to go away. You know, he's finding wells and he keeps he, God keeps blessing him. Maybe maybe I should rethink the way I said that to him. And maybe he heard of some of the others that were taking Isaac's wells and driving away. And he comes back to Isaac and says, I want to make it on to you. What's interesting is Abimelech says there in verse number, uh, verse 20, 28. And they said, we, certain, we saw certainly that the Lord was with thee. You. you notice there that, that all the letters in, in your Bible are capitalized for the word Lord, which we, which we know means he's talking about Yahweh. Even Abimelech recognized and believed that there was something to this Yahweh. There was something to this God. It doesn't mean that he believed in faith. It doesn't mean that he trusted in Yahweh. But he saw that there was something real about this man or this God that he served. And that's a testimony, not to a- Isaac, but it's a testimony to God. Sometimes we get caught up and say, I want to be a good testimony. And we should. So don't, don't take that wrong. But we should understand that even when we're a good testimony, it's all God. It's all his doing. And all we can do, it's like the moon. I don't know if you know this week, it was the blue moon. Does anybody know that? Anybody hear that? It, it's, um, it's not blue. I was really disappointed by that. Um, but it is the biggest and the brightest it is, and I think every about 10 years or something like that. I think the next time it happens is 10 or 15 years from now. So that's where you get once in a blue moon. But again, disappointingly enough, it's not blue. Okay? But once in a blue moon, the, the moon, what does it do? It reflects light. There's no light in the sun. We can't go, man, I tell you what, that moon is really bright. We say that, but we know it's not true. The moon's not bright at all. The moon is just reflecting the light of the sun. It is all the sun that makes the moon bright. Jim Jones, years ago, not not Kool-Aid Jim Jones, but missionary Jim Jones. um, Some of you know him. He's in Florida. Now he's worked in the Rock of Ages prison ministry. Uh, But I remember one time at a missions conference. This is man, 20 years ago. I don't know if you remember this, Brian. But he talked about he just gotta be certain. He was like, there was this this thing hit him like, there's the sun, right? Jesus. There's the moon, that's us, we reflect Jesus. And we only see part of the moon sometimes because the world gets in the way. And when the world gets in the way, we don't reflect Jesus as much. You see, it's not it's not that God's not shining bright, it's that we're allowing the, the world to get in the way, and we don't reflect on as much. So we need to we need to understand that that is all God. God deserves the glory for even when He when our testimony is good. Shiva means seven. It was also used for an oath. That's what the word Shiva means. The name Beersheba Shiva means the well of seven or the well of an oath. And so God gave them a well there that sprung up with water, and they they named it after that oath. Now. Verses 34 and 35. We're going to close. We're going to go to uh, Lord's Supper here in a moment. And this is separate. But we're going to finish the chapter. And I want you to see this. And Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife. Judith the daughter of Beri the Hittite. And Bashamath the daughter of Elon the Hittite. Which were a grief of mine. unto Isaac and Rebekah. As parents We pray. We hope, we do our best, and we try to train our children, but they make disappointing decisions. Listen, kids, your parents are not making rules just like God doesn't make rules for fun. They're not making rules because they like to see you suffer through rules. They're trying to train you up in the way you should go. And when you make decisions that are anti-Bible and against what God wants for your life, it is a grief the heart of your parents. We're going to see that this was not just the only decision he made. Uh, He made a lot of decisions that were worldly, instead of being godly. Thank you for joining us today on the First Baptist Church of Hazel Park audio podcast. If you have questions or would like to know more about First Baptist Church, visit us online at fbchazelpark.com.